Heavenly Father, we do thank you that your son has been given to this world, that he came into it, that the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And Lord, we thank you for the precious pages before us today that record some of what he did and what he said while he was on earth amongst your people. And so, Lord, we pray that we may be greatly edified. May we be built up in the faith as we consider what your word says to us this morning through your son. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, have you ever been really thirsty, really thirsty, where you feel like you're going to die if you do not get a drink anytime soon? There are different points in our lives where we may feel such a thirst. Uh, we may do some exercise, as I uh, try to do once a week now, go for a run around the bay. And I usually do it on an empty stomach because I feel like if I eat something, I'll end up throwing up, and that includes water. And so I go around the bay, I wake up in the morning, I haven't drunk since the night before, I might have a little mouthful of water, and then I go for the 40-minute run or so that it takes to go around, and then I come home, and I am really thirsty at that stage. And it may be if you uh, have done some gardening work and you've been out in the hot sun as it's starting to get that way now as uh, summer draws towards us, that you can feel this thirst in you and you can just be almost dying for water. And our children do that. They say, I'm so thirsty, I'm dying. And it may be an exaggeration, but we have felt that on occasions where we have been really thirsty and water is all you can think about. It is all you want. And that's what we've been looking at as we've been studying uh, John chapter 4 together, is the subject of thirst, is the subject of water, and when we might be thirsty and require water. Jesus has met this woman as he's been going through Samaria. He's stopped at this town, and he's asked this woman for a drink, and she has uh, said that he shouldn't be asking her for a drink because he's of a different race than she is, and they don't communicate with one another. And then he's told her that he has this special water, this water that gives eternal life, and uh, this living water. And, uh, and she's then said, well, how are you going to get this living water? In verse 11 and 12 of John chapter 4, she said, uh, are you greater than our father Jacob, uh, who made this well? Isn't this well sufficient? Why do you talk about this living water? And then Jesus chooses not to answer her objections. Uh, he doesn't address the situation as to where he's going to get a bucket from. He doesn't answer her concern about who Jacob is and his relationship to Jacob. Instead, he wants to make plain to her what the water he has does in comparison to the water that she is focused on. She's focused in on physical water and he is focused on spiritual water and he wants to compare the two. And so he goes to the central issue. What is the result of these two types of water? What is the result of them? And so that's what my main points will focus around this morning. And my first main point is that the things of this world never satisfy. If you want to follow along with my main points this morning, they're listed there on the back of the church bulletin. The first is that the things of this world never satisfy. And Jesus says this in verse 13 in reference to water. Verse 13 of John chapter 4, page 1053, if you've got a black church Bible. John 4, verse 13, Jesus answered the woman, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. He's saying that water of this world doesn't completely satisfy. In fact, it doesn't last very long before you need to drink again, before that thirst comes back. And we can see this in our own lives. We don't need Jesus to tell us this. That physical water doesn't actually give much physical life. 
It doesn't sustain you very well at all. You can have a drink and your life continues. Yes, you have a little bit longer to live on this planet by having a drink of water. But it's not very long before you need another drink. That that drink that you had a few hours earlier has all gone. It's disappeared and you now need another drink. Your thirst may be quenched after going for a vigorous run or for doing some exercise or doing some gardening in the yard, but not before long. You may feel satisfied after you drink maybe a litre of water when you're really thirsty and you feel like you couldn't drink another drop. But it's not long, a few hours later, and you're needing to drink again. And it's the same with the other things in this world, even physical food, not just water, but food. Have you ever eaten so much that you feel like you could never eat again? I've done that. I've done it particularly at buffets where you want to get your money's worth. Uh, you pay a certain amount for a certain amount uh, for unlimited food, but there is a limit to the food that you can consume. It may sound like it's unlimited, but there is a limit because your stomach can only go so far. And you can eat and eat and eat, and then you get to a point where you go, I'm not eating for the rest of my life. I feel like I just could not eat anymore. But it's not long. All it takes is one good night's sleep, and breakfast sounds, quite like, sounds like quite a nice idea. That buffet that you were experiencing yesterday that made you think that you could not look at food again has all but gone, and you're suddenly interested in food once more. The physical food that we have in this life does not sustain us for very long with physical life. It sustains us for a very short amount of time. And it's the same with the physical things in this world. They don't satisfy us, not just in terms of physical life, but also in spiritual life. We look to the physical things in this world to give us meaning in this world so often, and yet they fail to satisfy. There are so many things in this world that people use to give their life meaning. But as they use those things, they continue to see that they just do not satisfy. They need more and more of those things. Particularly, one of the high points of most people's lives, the focus of their life, the material thing, is money. People think that if I have enough money, if I work and work and have enough money in my life, I will be satisfied, I will be content. But it's not true. They continue to find that no matter how much money they have, they're never satisfied. There's a famous quote uh, that was of uh, a response that someone asked John D. Rockefeller, one of the multi-billionaire. They asked him this question. They said, how much money is enough to him? And what was his reply? One more dollar than I have. Which means he'll never have enough. When he gets that dollar extra, he needs one more dollar after that before he'll have enough. How much money is enough? It's never enough. And yet people spend their whole lives trying to get meaning out of having material wealth. And yet it does not satisfy. And people will make, try and get satisfaction out of other people in their lives as well. They try to get satisfaction out of them. So um, when you're a child, you focus on a mum and dad to give your life meaning and to give you that support that you want. But of course, parents, you start to grow up and you start to even despise them. Teenagers are well known for not wanting to have much to do with their parents. And then adults, they don't want to have much to do with their parents. And there's a, even a command in Proverbs, do not despise your mother in her old age. Why is that given? Because we do that. They satisfy at a time. We think our parents are just wonderful, and I love that about my kids. They still wrap their arms around me, give me kisses at their own inclination. 
but I know that in time that may not happen. And that's vice versa as well. We can, as parents, satisfy our kids for a time, but what about us as parents? Some people look for meaning in their lives by having kids. They see children as their answer to giving their life meaning. But children grow up and they will reject parents at times. And then what are you going to do with your life? How is your life going to have meaning once your children leave home? And people do it with spouses. They think, if I just get a nice husband or if I just get a nice wife, my life will have meaning. If I have that loving relationship with that person, my life will have meaning. Then they get married and they realize that they married a sinner. And that sinner causes problems in their lives. Things don't go the way that they think they will. People don't live happily ever after as they seem to in the movies, in the children's fairy tales. And we find that a husband or wife does not give our life ultimate meaning and we aren't satisfied. People do it with all kinds of other things as well. Uh, other people, like sporting heroes. People have a great sporting hero and they think this person is just wonderful. And you see that with people, who, um, particularly children, teenagers, they have posters up in their bedrooms of their particular idol. But what happens eventually? That person gets an injury, can't play anymore, or just gets older. People can't sustain the level of physical fitness for very long. I always think it's one of those jobs which would be kind of scary to have, that at any moment you can hurt yourself in some serious way and you're out of a job. Or eventually you just grow out of the job. Very scary. And if you're following after sporting heroes and you think they're wonderful, then be aware that they don't satisfy, that they will move on in time. And celebrities do that as well. Other celebrities, uh, movie stars, famous actresses and actors, they do get older and they die and they're no longer there. And what are you going to devote your life to then? Same with politics. People get engaged in politics and they think that politics is the answer to their life. It gives them meaning. Everything will be all right. If my party just gets into power, it will be fine. What happens when your party does get into power? Then you start to worry that your party will get out of power soon. Another election comes along. Your party gets in and what do they start doing? They already start preparing for the next election. It doesn't take long before they're preparing for that because it doesn't satisfy Holidays, you may think, are the way to satisfaction, though. You may think that if you just have nice international travel, go and have regular holidays, your life will have meaning. Well, if you visit beaches often enough, they start to become a bit passe. And people say, I haven't done much international travel, but once you've seen one old building, you've seen them all. Some people do that through Europe. They go around Europe and you go from one old building to the next, and it's nice at first, but after a while it gets a bit boring, and there's no satisfaction to be found in such holidays. People often use sex and pornography as a way of getting life meaning into their life as well. But reports of what happens in such people's lives is that they feel an emptiness, uh, they're unsatisfied. It seems to satisfy for a time, but it doesn't give ultimate satisfaction. And when it comes to pornography, it seems that people need harder and harder stuff. They need to, to get that high that they want from it, and it just doesn't become satisfying to them at all. Drugs, people use those, uh, different illicit drugs. Alcohol is something that people turn to for satisfaction in life, but it doesn't give it. You have to have that drink again and again and again, and you get into the harder stuff. It's just, it doesn't satisfy. People try and give meaning to their life with physical work. They think that if I build up a company or um, devote myself to this company, I'll rise to the top and I'll be wonderful and I'll, my life will have meaning. If I can just be the CEO, I will then have meaning in my life. But work can be snatched away from you as well. 
health problems can come along, disasters can happen, you can be fired, you can be overlooked in promotions, you can eventually retire. You have to retire. And you see that with some people, they, they have devoted themselves to this job all their lives and then they retire and they just have no meaning now in their life. They find that that work that they did before no longer satisfies because they no longer have it and they can't do it anymore. We see this with different types of entertainment. People devote themselves to literature, to fiction, to comics, uh, to stories, but it's the same old stories eventually again and again. It's very hard to find new stuff that gives you that desire and gives you meaning in your life. And people do that with movies and television shows. After you've watched a movie and you loved it, how much do you want to watch it again? And again, and again, and again, that same movie. You might watch it several times, but after a while it starts to become a bit old. And television shows, you're wanting the next episode. You're wanting to watch more and more to get that satisfaction that you need. See that with video games, I'm guilty of that, playing video games with my life. I spent many hours playing video games. And you think this game is wonderful. But then you clock it, you finish it, and there's no meaning in it for you anymore. You have to move on to something else. What about music? So many people enthrall themselves, their lives in music. And you might think this track you've heard is so wonderful. It makes your heart sing as you hear this line. But how long before it becomes annoying? That track that you loved in the past, you've heard it so many times now that when you hear it, it's just annoying. Music fails to satisfy. People go into other types of wealth like cars. I always think this is a bit of a funny one, the cars, but people can devote themselves to cars. They can devote themselves, their life to that. But cars break down, they get outdated, the leather seats fade eventually, they become worn, or someone smashes into you. I've seen that happen. People spend all this money on a brand new car and then a week later someone rear-ends it and it's written off. It doesn't satisfy. Fashion, of course, some people devote themselves to fashion. Clothes rip and tear, though. And eventually they become torn and fade and they become unfashionable. The clothes that you thought were wonderful before, if your child saw them, they think, how could you have worn that? They look at old photos of you and they just think it's terrible. But you thought you were really good in wearing those things at that time and it made you feel like you had meaning in your life. Homes also become not as shiny as they once were. The longer you live in them, the more you think, oh, yes, I need a change, I need to renovate, I need to do something new here to give my life meaning. Same with technology. Um, how, how many times have you got a new phone or a new computer and you've just been thrilled by it? And then eventually it becomes old and outdated and a bit sluggish and slow and you need to upgrade again. It fails to give your life meaning. It fails to give your life satisfaction. And so what Jesus is saying here when he says everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, he's saying something that's true of all the things of this world, that they don't give us satisfaction. We will thirst again. All these things that seem to promise to give your life meaning only give it meaning for a very temporary time before you're thirsty for something more. And this is a truth that's taught in the Old Testament as well. Very clearly. It's not something that we've discovered today that the material things of this world do not satisfy. It's something that is taught in the Old Testament and one of my favourite books of the Bible in Ecclesiastes. Turn with me to page 658, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Page 658. It's 
believe that this is written by Solomon, uh, one of the most wealthy, well, the wealthiest king of Israel. Um, he had immense riches and he sought to find meaning in this world. And he sought it in a number of places. And that's his account is given uh, throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, but particularly in chapter 2, verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1, page 658, where we read, I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasures to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is foolish. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well, the delights of the heart of man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied, myself nothing, I denied myself nothing in my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. He tried it all. He had all this wealth. He tried doing projects and working hard, making lovely homes, lovely gardens. He'd even had many women. He had this, marvelous, had this huge harem. I mean, this really does seem to match up with Solomon's life where he had uh, so many wives and so, hundreds, almost a thousand different women. And yet he sees that it doesn't give his life meaning. Even the whole idea of comedy, he says there in verse 2, uh, and laughter, I said, is foolish. And what does pleasure accomplish? He sees that comedy, it just doesn't seem to satisfy either. And we see that so much of our world today um, is focused on comedy, particularly with television shows. We're looking for a cheap laugh, but it fails to satisfy, as Solomon tells us here. So what does satisfy? What does satisfy? Food, water, the other things of this world don't seem to satisfy. What does satisfy us? Well, that's the message that Jesus has for us in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, he tells us what can indeed satisfy. And that is that the Holy Spirit satisfies us. That's my second main point this morning. The Holy Spirit satisfies. And we see that in verse 14. But I'll read from verse 13. Page 1053 of the Church Bibles. John chapter 4, verse 13. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, when I preached on this uh, part of God's word before, I showed that the Holy Spirit is being referred to by Jesus as the water here. The living water is the Holy Spirit. And he's saying here that the Holy Spirit does satisfy. He satisfies, firstly, our physical life. The Spirit gives true physical life. 
ultimately the Spirit sustains us to eternal life. And we see that in that text in verse 14. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. You drink the water of this world, yes, you sustain your life for a little bit. But then you need more, and you need more, and you need more. You drink of the Spirit, you live forever. It doesn't matter if you don't get any physical water, any physical food, any physical breath in this world, any more oxygen, it's all cut off from you. The Spirit sustains, and you will live forever. You may die in this world, but you will, that will not be the end. You will continue. Whereas the physical water, the physical food in this world can't give that kind of hope. It cannot give us that eternal life. The Spirit can. The living water can, though. And the Spirit also gives us meaning, gives us true spiritual life. The things of this world don't seem to satisfy our deep longings for meaning in this world. But the Spirit does. And that's told to us in that verse 14 as well. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The Spirit satisfies our life. We don't need anything else if we have the Holy Spirit with us. If we have the Holy Spirit, we can say with the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. The Holy Spirit was known to the Apostle Paul. Paul had drunk of the Holy Spirit and he had learned contentment in any and every situation, whether he was well-fed or hungry, whether he was living in plenty or in want. He was content because he had the Holy Spirit. His life had meaning. He was able to continue. And he says this also in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. He says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Paul is saying if you hunger after the things of this world, and particularly he gives us an example there of money, you fall into a trap and end up piercing yourself with great grief. And another passage in the Bible that speaks about the contentment that we have is Hebrews 13, verse 5 which says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? He tells you, be content. Why? Because you have the God who made you, made this world say to you, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So you can be content even as the things of the world fade around you, you can be content because you have the Lord. Now, why can you be content if you have the Holy Spirit? How does the Holy Spirit function in you? Why can you be content if you have him? Well, Jesus speaks 
marvelously about the Holy Spirit's work in our lives in verse 14 of John chapter 4. John chapter 4 verse 14, it says, But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The Spirit is a spring of water, one that's water that's self-perpetuating, that it continues. Other water, when you drink it, disappears and it's gone and you need more water to come along. Whereas once you drink of the Holy Spirit, he continues to produce water in you so that you are sustained. He's living water. And so he can continue to to feed your longings. And he's even quite active here in verse 14. It says that he wells up which is an idea of jumping up, which isn't usually used of water. It's used of living things, of animals. But here it's used of the Holy Spirit, that he's jumping up in your life. He's active and alive. Unlike the water that you drink in, it's very passive. But this water, it moves within you. It's active. Like some water that we see in our world, that people harness to do great things, like the hydroelectricity that we get. It's working. It's producing things. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's living water. He's moving. He's welling up. He's jumping in, up in you. He's always bouncing up within you. The question is then, how can you be content if you have the Holy Spirit? If he's moving in you, how does he actually bring about a contentment in you? How does he bring that meaning to your life? so that you can continue, even if everything is falling down around you, how can you continue in life by having the Holy Spirit? Well, firstly, the fact that you have eternal life from the Holy Spirit puts everything into perspective. Whenever you're going through a really tough time, one of the greatest things you can do is meditate on the fact that you have eternal life, that what you're experiencing here and now won't last forever, that it's just a very, very small, minute part of your existence. Because what is to come far surpasses any sort of suffering that you're experiencing in this world, any sort of lack of material wealth in this world, or food, or water. Everything can fade away if you have this focus that you are going to live forever. And that's what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, where he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. It doesn't matter what we're going through now. It's not worth comparing with that eternal life that I have by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives me that eternal life. And I've drunk of him and I will live forever. And so no matter what happens to me now, it's very small, minute detail of my life. And then how else does the Holy Spirit give us contentment? How else does he satisfy our deepest longings? Well, one other way that he satisfies us is by feeding our minds. As you understand more and more about the Lord and about his word, you continue to find great satisfaction as you feed upon him. He's inexhaustible in comparison to the other things of this world. You cannot exhaust your understanding of who God is. It is this marvelous thing that as we study the Bible more, we continue to go down into its depths and we never find the bottom. I've been studying the Bible for decades now and I'm yet to find that it fails to give my mind something to mull over, to feed it, to make it alive, to give me a focus for my life. Psalm 119 says about 
God's word. Psalm 119 verse 96 says, to all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. Psalm 119 verse 96. But the whole of Psalm 119 is just a wonderful psalm about how, how marvelous God's word is and how it is indeed inexhaustible to us. Whereas the things of this world, they don't satisfy, Particular, particularly the things of uh, other books and movies and TV shows. How long before that TV show that you started and it was really good at the beginning starts to become like there's this repeated cycle of events that just keeps going on and on and on. And so after about season one or two, you're kind of sick of it and you don't want to watch it anymore. And that's what ends up happening. The ratings slide and then they stop the series. If the ratings kept up, they would continue the series along. That doesn't happen with the Bible because it's about the infinite God. And so, of course, it continues to satisfy us. As we feed upon the Holy Spirit, he continues to feed us about who God is and what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. And our lives continue to have meaning as we dwell upon God and his word. And so, the Holy Spirit then indeed satisfies us. He satisfies us in terms of physical life, but he also satisfies us in spiritual life as well. He gives our lives meaning. So then how do you receive this living water? How can you drink of the Holy Spirit and be satisfied for eternity in terms of physical life and for eternity in terms of spiritual life? Well, you need to ask the Lord. That's what Jesus said in verse 10, wasn't it? He said to the Samaritan woman, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Do you want the Holy Spirit? Come before God. Come before Christ and ask him to give it to you. Come before him, acknowledge that you're a sinner and turn from your sin. Say sorry to God for what you've done and put your trust in Jesus Christ. Trust him to give you the Holy Spirit. And if you do that, he gives. If you truly trust that Jesus Christ is the man he proclaims himself to be in the scriptures, then he will give his Holy Spirit to you. And then you will have eternal life, eternal physical life, eternal spiritual life. It doesn't matter how long you're in heaven for, you will still have meaning in your life. We can't fully understand the Lord, even if we dwell with him for the rest of eternity, will continue to marvel over him. And that will be the rest of your life. So are you seeking to satisfy yourself with the things of this world? Are you seeking to satisfy your life with your physical life, with water and food and maybe certain vitamins that you take each day? You say, I'll be able to live Maybe not forever, but at least for a good long time. And so you put your trust in those things. Or are you trusting in the Holy Spirit to give you eternal life, eternal physical life? And what about your spiritual life? What are you looking to to give your life meaning? Is it the things of this world? Is it material wealth, different possessions, different philosophies and literature that comes along or music? What gives your life meaning? If it's anything other than the Holy Spirit, it won't satisfy. You will be thirsty again. So I encourage you to find satisfaction for your life in the Spirit. Come to God 
and ask him. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, continue to study God's words. Continue to study the Lord. Continue to give your life meaning by looking to him in Bible reading, prayer, coming to church, coming to Bible studies, meeting with other Christians. Feed yourself upon the Holy Spirit and you will always be satisfied. You'll be content, as Paul said he was in the scriptures. You can learn that same contentment that he shared. Let us come before our God now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that your word is so revealing. And if we look at our lives, we can see how true and accurate its assessment of our lives are. Lord, we thank you that we can see that so many things in this world that people hunger after, that people crave to give their life meaning, fail to satisfy. Lord, we pray that we may recognise that it's only your Holy Spirit who can give us eternal physical life and also give us meaning in our spiritual lives. Lord, we are so empty without the Holy Spirit. Help us not to feed that emptiness with the things of this world and so be thirsty again and again. But may we look to Jesus to give us that spirit that we need so that we can be content no matter what comes our way. And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.